So we're going to get ready to start our sermon this morning, and I am very happy to be sharing the platform with our next-gen kids minister, Amy Christman. Everyone say, hey, Amy. That's right. We got a lot of kiddos out there with us today, and I want to make sure that they know that Miss Amy is up here, and we are happy to be up here together to share God's Word. So let's say a quick prayer. Let's prepare our hearts for the Scriptures and let's get started. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We, I just echo the prayers that have already been prayed for your goodness and graciousness to us. And now, God, with open hearts under these open skies, we open your word. And we ask, God, that you would speak to us. We give this time to you. We love you. And we thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are in the middle of a series called Because Jesus is. Man, I got to tell you, Jesus is our favorite subject around here at Outlook. Is that true? It is absolutely true. Hey, you're out in the, you can, you can yell back at me and it's going it's to feel great. So, so no problem. I want to hear some hallelujahs and some amens this morning. So today we are approaching our favorite subject, Jesus, now as our shepherd, as our shepherd. Now, shepherd may not be near the top of our list when we begin to think of what we need from Jesus or who Jesus is to us. We might first think of Lord and Savior and healer and teacher, all of which we've discussed and are all powerful aspects of who Jesus is to us. All those may come to mind. But Jesus also says he is our shepherd. And Amy and I get to unpack that for a few minutes this morning. And we're going to use Jesus' words as our outline in John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And so, Amy, you're going to get us started. Thanks a lot. I am the good shepherd. So Jesus is making a really strong statement here. In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes seven different I am statements. And with each one, he stirs up a little bit of trouble, although it's just three uh, letters and a little space there. These, this phrase was really packed with meaning for all the people Jesus was teaching. Because with each of these seven I am statements, Jesus is clearly, without question, claiming to be God. There's an instant association there for his listeners. It's kind of like if I told you I had the breakfast of champions this morning, you would all assume I had Wheaties. Or if I say, taste the rainbow, you all think of Skittles. And now you all want Skittles, so you're welcome. I don't have any. Instant association. So when Jesus was preaching and said, I am, his listeners would have taken pause because I am, it wasn't just a phrase they associated with God, it was the name of their God. So way back in Exodus 3.14, God first reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush. And when Moses asks who it is that is there, God says, I am who I am. And that is how he's referred to throughout the whole Old Testament. With that statement, God reveals himself to be eternal and incomparable. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's first just making a bold claim that he is a member of the Godhead. 
And then he goes on to describe a piece of his godly character. So before we unpack what it means for Jesus to be our good shepherd, let's just take a look at the world of shepherding and sheep that Jesus would have been using to make his point here. Because shepherding was very culturally relevant at that time. It was one of three major occupations next to farming and fishing for Jesus um, in that New Testament time, as well as being an important regularly used metaphor in the Old Testament scriptures that the people would have known really, really well. So one of the most famous shepherds in the Bible is King David. And he's actually out tending sheep when we first meet him in 1 Samuel 16, because that job was often given to the youngest sons, which he was, or the slaves even, or the hirelings. Uh, And so obviously, David then rose high in status and became one of God's chosen kings, but he never quite forgot his shepherding days. He gives us one of the best descriptions of the role and purpose of a good shepherd in Psalm 23, which Psalm 23, it's a pretty familiar passage to many both within the faith and even without outside of the Christian faith. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Let's pause for a minute. Think about that first phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. Like, okay. The Lord of the universe is my shepherd? There is some power in that. All sheep have a shepherd. And in fact, Rob gave me a book earlier this week. It's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And the modern day shepherd who wrote it said that sheep, more than any other class of livestock, require endless attention and meticulous care. So side note, I firmly believe it is no accident that God refers to us as sheep and not cows or camels or something else because sheep need meticulous care, focus care, and so do we. Sheep don't just have a shepherd, they need a shepherd. The relationship then between a shepherd and sheep is special. And the God of the universe chose us to be in his flock of sheep. And that's pretty cool. So back to Psalm 23. Pretty familiar passage, but hopefully it can maybe hit you in a little bit of a new way this morning. And to help us look at it afresh, allow me to read Psalm 23 from the message paraphrase, which gives us David's description of God as a shepherd in some more modern language. Psalm 23. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head, my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. So we see here, good shepherding clearly involves providing. When you read, I don't need a thing because you've given me a great bed and clean water and protecting. I'm not afraid when you walk at my side because your presence makes me feel secure. And Jesus came to be our good shepherd because we need a shepherd to protect us from evil and guide us to our best lived lives. The Gospels of Mark and Matthew point this out really clearly. Matthew says it like this. When he, meaning Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So simply put, sheep without a shepherd are a mess. 
Like Jesus said, they're helpless. And as David points out, they need help finding their own water or bed to lie in. In fact, I learned this week, it's pretty cool, that sheep only lie down if four requirements are met. So they must be, one, free of fear. They must be, two, free of tension with other sheep. They must be, three, free of pests like flies or parasites, and four, free of hunger. So for sheep to be at rest, they have to be free of fear, tension, hunger, and aggravations. Remember I said sheep must be free of those four things, but I'm pretty sure we could sub in men, women, boys, and girls there of us needing to be free of those things. We need to be free of tension, of fear, of aggravation, and hunger to find true rest. And the only way we really find that rest is from the Good Shepherd. We find that rest when we're able to recognize and listen to the voice of our Good Shepherd. Amen to that. Thank you, Amy, for that. That's awesome. Jesus is our Good Shepherd, and we need a shepherd. Can we say that out loud? I need a shepherd. That's the truth. We really, really do. The second aspect of what Jesus says to us here is, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now there's a, there's a sweetness and a gentleness to that phrase. This idea and assurance of knowing and being known by the Lord is a hallmark of the faith that Jesus came to make possible. That he is not talking about a spirituality of a God a bazillion miles away who set in motion the earth and then left us behind. He is, in in this word picture, in this analogy, helping us see what what old old Christians used to call, very poetically, uh, the watch care of our God. That he keeps his eye on us. That he cares for us. Like Amy said so wonderfully, like a sheep... To, uh, like a sheep needs a shepherd, so we need that level of meticulous care. It's a beautiful idea. And describing the good shepherd in the third person, Jesus in our passage this morning makes this point. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger, Jesus goes on to say. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. He's describing the relationship that a flock of sheep will have with their shepherd. A stranger's voice will not convince them. They only know the voice of their shepherd. That's the depth of knowledge and intimacy that ends up being developed between a flock and their shepherd. Knowing. The voice of Jesus. Man, that sounds pretty wonderful, doesn't it? But maybe a little unattainable, right? Something we all would agree sounds awesome, but we're, we can easily from day to day wonder, well, can I hear the voice, so to speak, of my shepherd, Jesus? Well, let's just remind ourselves, it is possible. It is definitely possible to begin to develop an ear that can Pick out and find and follow the voice of Jesus in the chaos of this world. It comes through some things that would be easy to predict when we stop and think about it. Time in God's word, time in prayer, and time with God's people. Hey, we're doing all three right now, right? Isn't that great? So we're already already almost there. 
beginning to hear in moments like the, the ones that we carve out and create right now, the ability to hear the voice of Jesus in our hearts, in our minds. Not an audible voice. I'll testify right now, I've never heard an audible voice uh, from God, okay? So we, that, that's not what we're saying. But to be tuned in to the truth of God amidst a lot of lies, to be tuned in to the peace of God amidst all kinds of, of, of uh, turmoil and, and chaos, that's his voice. To get some guidance when we're confused, and some days we can get pretty confused. So time in prayer, time in his word, and time with his people, all of which could easily just be described as time in his pasture, right? If we think of this word picture, it's, it's getting into our shepherd's pasture and spending time with him. And in fact, I bet if we closed our eyes right now, we could kind of just, kind of just picture ourselves in a pasture, right? Feel the sun and the wind and begin to realize that we're under the watchful care of a really, really really good shepherd. We begin to then know his voice. And when a voice then begins to speak into our lives in one way or another and begins to say, you know what? You're not enough. We can say to Jesus, I know that's not your voice. That's a stranger's voice. I'll reject that. When we feel the accusations of past sins repented of and long forgiven, pointing a finger and telling us we're unlovable or irredeemable, we can say, that's not my shepherd's voice. Amen? He says, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. This is very true of sheep. May it also be true of us that we don't fall for the voice and the lies of the stranger, so to speak. Knowing Jesus' voice and running from other voices is what we're called to do. So let me tell you, friends, the voice of our shepherd is one that lifts us up, not tears us down, amen? It's one that gently instructs and guides, not harps and barks orders. The words in the heart of our good shepherd are for you, not against you. He watches over you. Never ignores you. And I have to imagine as I look over this flock this morning that there are some hearts that need to hear that right now. That whatever the last weeks, months, or the last year or more have contained for you, whatever has happened to you, or whatever you've done, there could be some voices saying, Did you, did you really need to go back to church this morning? Was that, is that really a good idea? Are they going to accept you? What if they found out what the last year has been like for you? What if they knew your thoughts or what you've done? Let me tell you, Jesus knows all that, and he loves you completely, and we do too. Amen? We do too. He never ignores you. He watches over you. Jesus has the heart of a shepherd. As Amy read a minute ago, he sees when we're harassed and helpless. He looked out across a crowd, and he saw that. And what, what was moved in him? Was it condemnation? They should know better. They got themselves into this mess. Not at all. It was compassion. 
That same compassion moves us. And we can know that our shepherd is moved with compassion, not condemnation, when he sees us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes to these Christians and says, You were like sheep going astray. But now, someone say, but now. You have returned to the shepherd, he writes, and overseer of your souls. At one point, Jesus tells the story of a shepherd with a hundred sheep, 99 grazing in the pasture, but one wandering and lost. And he says that that shepherd, and it's easy to see he's talking about himself, will leave the 99 and look for the one. And when he finds it, he will be exceedingly happy and have a party even. If you're that one today, if when I, when I just refer to that parable, you feel in your heart I'm not the 99, I'm the one. Today I'm the one in that story. Just know, he is scanning the horizon for you. And he is ready to receive, find you, and rejoice at your return. Amen? So that's what I ask us to do. Amen. Thank you. I, I give God the praise for that because he is so good to us. Amen? I'm asking you today to turn and return to him. The shepherd and overseer of your souls today and every day. Tune the ear of your soul to the voice of your shepherd who does lay down his life for his sheep. Amen. And Jesus is our shepherd. But as I was looking at this passage this week, I kind of wondered, why good shepherd? It's not just our shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd. There are times in the New Testament letters where Jesus is referred to as the great shepherd and the chief shepherd, but those point out different aspects of his character, how he lives in heaven today working on behalf of his sheep and how he will come for the sheep at his return. But Jesus as good shepherd here in John 10 really focuses on him laying his life down and dying for his sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. So Jesus then compares himself as the good shepherd with that of the hired hand and says, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The hired hand doesn't care for the flock because the sheep aren't his. Anybody ever rented a vehicle or a car? I've rented a few. Uh, One of those times I was going to Philadelphia on a mission trip with the church I interned at in college. We came out to our vehicles that first morning and my car that I was responsible for driving had been graffitied. So there was some symbol, I was assured it wasn't a dangerous gang sign to be driving around the city with, uh, was spray painted over one of the rear tires of the car. I wasn't happy about it. I didn't care all that much. It was a rental. For the record, magic erasers, dish soap, and a lot of time will take spray paint off your car. Though I'm pretty sure it probably took some of the wax coating and the protectant coating on there off as well because we could tell it wasn't quite as shiny Thankfully, I dropped it off after hours, so I wasn't there for the post-trip inspection. I'm sure it was fine, but honestly, if it was my car, I probably wouldn't have been satisfied with its condition. Can you think of a similar experience when you've rented or borrowed something, and you watched over it or cared about it to a lesser degree 
simply because it wasn't yours? And that's the comparison Jesus is making here between a shepherd and a hired hand. When danger comes, the hired hand runs. Why would he give up his life for something he doesn't care about? The hired hand lacks commitment because he lacks investment. But Jesus is the exact opposite. Jesus as the good shepherd is so fully invested in the flock of sheep that he is committed to laying his life down for them. Verse 17 and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again, the command I received from my father. Talk about authority, authority and power over life and death. God commanded Jesus to go to earth and die on the cross, but he didn't force him to. Jesus had full power to choose that himself and choose it. He did. Now, what I think is most exciting about Jesus' death is that it was temporary. So, in theory, anyone could sacrifice his or her life in love, but only Jesus could lay it down and then pick it back up again in resurrection. Because think about it this way. If a shepherd cares so deeply about his sheep that he gives his life for their protection from a predator, what then happens to the sheep? The flock is likely scattered and destroyed. Jesus was dead for three days, and that happened a little bit. His disciples scattered and hid in fear because they didn't know what was going to happen. But Jesus took up his life again. He appeared to his disciples to restore and regather his flock. He is the forever good shepherd, our good shepherd, and we are his sheep. Amen to that. That's right. And so as we wrap up this morning, I'm thinking about what Amy just said there about how uh, Jesus predicted that when the shepherd would be, um, when, you, when, the, when they would strike the shepherd, the sheep would scatter. And like Amy said, that's exactly what happened there for the disciples. At first, anyone ever feel scattered? Maybe just a little, right? That's what happens when we go out from underneath the care of our shepherd. When fear strikes in our hearts, we can scatter and we can feel scattered. But when we begin to hear that call, that gentle voice back in our lives that says, come to me. I am your good shepherd. I'm here for you. Then we begin to sense a peace and a calm that puts us under the care of that good shepherd. And so one other thing that Jesus says here in this passage that I want to invite us to consider. He says, I am the gate. He's mixing up the metaphor, well, not really the metaphor so much as he's saying, I'm not only the shepherd, but I'm the gate of this pen of sheep. He says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Doesn't that sound nice? Just find pasture. Then he makes this statement, the thief, because that's also part of this picture. There, there, there would be thieves who would want to steal sheep from a shepherd. The thief, he says, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's life, that's, that's life under our good shepherd. And when Jesus says he's the gate, what he's saying is one of the things the shepherd would do, this blows my mind. When, the, when, the, when he's gathering the sheep, he inspects each one, makes sure it's in good shape, as it's coming in from pasture into the sheep pen. And then as the day is closing and all the sheep are accounted for, 
the shepherd would then make his bed or lie down at the opening of the sheep pen. In other words, no one's coming in or going out unless they're going through me. I am the gate, he says. Enter my pasture. Enter life with me. It's a life in which you'll find fullness. You'll find all that your soul is longing for. I'm the gate, and I will watch over you, both as a good shepherd and as a gate. And so we can reliably rest as that, in that truth as his sheep. We live in a world of loss, but there are things that still can't be taken, not under the watch care of our good shepherd, amen? We could really use one, a shepherd that is. Jesus knows that, and he stands ready to be ours. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you do keep your eye on us. You do not promise, God, a life free from trial, uh, an easy life by no stretch. But you do promise a full one. And you promise one that's going to be lived with you. You near us. You watching over us. You guiding and protecting us. And Lord, that sounds great. And so, Lord, we give you our lives and say, we want your life, your full life, to live in us. Thank you that you accept us as we are, and you take good care of us to turn us into the people that you envision us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.